welcome to Running is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running and the podcast that has been featured on BBC Radio 4 Extra's Radio Podcast Hour as one of the very best running podcasts out there, or just one of the ones they found first when they typed running into iTunes. Who even knew there was a Radio 4 Extra? Not me, <laughs> but we do now. But you know what? My mum did. She was listening on that very day. Because um, she said she usually ignores podcast hour. She calls it like, oh, I heard about your blog. So, you know, that's that's her level. Um, so she said she was listening to it. She happened to see it on her phone when she went downstairs. I said we were going to be on there. She went back upstairs and I was just on the radio. So she was very impressed. Wow, that, that is impressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's have a little clip of that now to hear what they said about us. I wonder if I'd listened to this podcast before I started running, would I have kept on running because uh, particularly long distances, because they speak so candidly about, for example, toilety things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, they the do. runner's trots, um, which I've never experienced <laughs> on short distances. And it's a real thing, uh, but they just make it so funny. It's a brilliant listen. They speak so candidly about toilety things. Yes, we do. I love that they'd obviously given it a little bit of a listen. Like they hadn't just, they, they'd read some of the description off our website and all of that, obviously. Um, but yeah. that suggests they actually listened to some of it, which is quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, and they did give the warning that we're quite sweary as well, which I think on BBC Radio 4 Extra, you have to give that yeah. warning. Cause, oh. I'm sure a few people dropped their cup of tea while they were listening to that in disgust when they heard the words running is BS. We know what that BS stands for. <laughs> and we were right after running commentary as well, so I think that's our natural place in the running podcast world. I know it sounds bad, but I can't imagine listening to a podcast, because you can get it, I know it's a programme, but you can get it as a podcast as well on uh, Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts from. But I can't imagine anything... I can't imagine listening to a podcast about podcasts. It seems a bit too meta for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you really want a new podcast... I guess so, for recommendations, but I just tend to give it a search. But e- either way, I'm sure it's a great show and I'm glad we were featured. <laughs> Absolutely. So a big hello to all our hordes of new listeners as a result of that feature. Um, uh, don't worry, we've got a song coming up later that will really thin them out. Yeah. <laughs> what? I wonder what the crossover is of Radio 4 Extra listeners and us. I'm, I'm guessing not I massive. I mean, we did say before that we're The Guardian meets Runner's World. I imagine the crossover between yeah. people who read The Guardian and Radio 4 Extra is, is massive. So. Oh, that's true, yeah. So we have one of those, like, the Venn diagram circles. We have one of them, so... <laughs> Well, next time BBC are commissioning, I think we should uh, send in an application, see if we can get on there. Yeah, I mean, we're... Perfect, I think per- we are. Yeah, perfect fit for people to turn off. <laughs> um, I've got a super niche complaint this week, which I always like to do, about wearing a head torch. Um, this is, well, if I'm wearing a head torch at all, which is something I'll come to later on. Uh, so when you're wearing a head torch, I tend to tilt mine down slightly, as we talked about last week. Having it shining out straight ahead is really annoying for everyone else, so I tilt it down slightly. But then when it's night... You're running and you want to wipe your nose or wipe your eye. The light then reflects off your hand from like an inch away and blinds mm. you. That's very annoying. It's very niche. I, I saw some people out running the other day with the uh, chest ones. Who was it who emailed in about the chest bike being too uh, bright? Yeah, Thompson. yeah. So it was funny because right after we'd done the show, I saw a group of people running with those chest ones. And I they seem to be gaining popularity. It all looks like a similar brand. But I've worn a chest um, head light before not headlight i've worn a, sh- a chest light before and one thing it does is it makes me feel really sick i don't know whether anyone else gets this but the light bobbing up Ooh. and down oh. like as you're running because like your head tends to stay a lot 
Stiller. Yeah, well, and it's it's pointing the way your yeah, eyes generally yeah, yeah, yeah. are pointing as like, well. Probably. And anyone who's done like GoPro stuff knows that on your head it's a lot like um, what's sturdier stiller than if you put it on yeah. your chest, like a chest mount. So I've just found before when I've tried doing that, it just makes me feel incredibly sick. I don't know whether anyone else gets this, you know, especially when it's really oh, dark weird. and all you can see is the headlight and what's directly in front of you. Just the bobbing up and down. I, I get seasick really easily anyway, but yeah, I just felt like I was on the boat. <laughs> Right. Yeah, anecdotally, I think there's a lot more out there. Mm. People seem to be wearing lights and reflective gear a lot more, I think, over this winter, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah which is a good thing, because uh, don't want to get hit by a car. Yeah. I mean, you're still going to get hit by a car, probably. I always make sure Pippin is now wearing her um, light-up collar, which lights up really bright. Because no. I always imagine, like, even if I'm lit up, in the dark, if I've got a dog attached to me that's, like, two metres in front of me, you cannot see her at all. So I, can yeah. always, I always, like, think of, like, this horrific... A vision in my head where I'm trying to like she runs out into the road and she gets hit first and I've just got like oh, no, on the don't, on the edge on the oh. end of the uh, the end of the uh, line is just like this flattened dog that I've got to like drag home. Oh c- no! <laughs> oh, oh. And that's why that could be like you know those old like public service films oh, that sort of scare were meant to scare you into like not climbing up electricity pylons. That could be one for canny crossers. Like you know, always put a light up collar on your dog. <laughs> Amy, why would you say those things? Because that's to what me? comes into my head when I when I see her without the light of collar on. I think you need your collar on because you're going to get flattened. And I, I, just me running home with dragging a flat dog behind me. That's the image. That's the image for the public service uh, film. <laughs> it's going to be a flat episode yeah, as well now. If I can out. That's my tip. <sighs> well, coming up in this episode. <laughs> Coming up in this episode, we speak to Sabrina Pace Humphreys from Black Trail Runners. We've got more weird races, more weird marketing, snot rags, and nipple tips. And before we get on that, a shout out to Jasper and Elizabeth, who have just bought BS buffs from us. I've got them right here in envelopes, which I haven't delivered yet because I'm too lazy and stupid. Uh, And some cool cat in Leighton Buzzard, who bought a drawstring bag with our logo on it. Oh yeah, you're going to be the talk of the town. Cock o' the walk in Leighton Buzzard. (laughs) if you will. Uh, if you want a buff, you can just drop us a message somewhere. And for merch, check out our website, runningsbs.com. You can buy yourself a drawstring bag. Yeah, oh, yeah. You can have the full kit. You can have the buff, the top. Do we need shorts? No. Oh, nobody can be a full kit wanker yet, then. Yet, though. No, well, they can be like in a full accessories wanker. Yeah, they could. Yeah. They've got the hat, oh, yeah. the shorts, the drawstring bag, the hoodie, you know. With a dog bandana. Yeah, the dog, with your dog running alongside you with a dog bandana, but make sure it's got a light up collar on. Else it's going to be, yeah. Anyway. Anyway catch up from last episode anyway. so luke daniel messaged in saying the real cycling light bs is people who think it's a good idea to strap a high-powered strobe light to their handlebars how destroying night vision repeatedly dazzling then plunging into darkness and causing potential seizures into oncoming traffic improves your safety is beyond me 100 percent yeah. agree always thought that is oh Oh, I, yes. I, I hate yeah, the strobe lighting effect people do. And can I just say, on the, going back to the subject of light of colours, so Finley's got a blue one, um, Pippin's got red, Finley's got blue, and most of the dog light of colours also have like a strobe effect. So I was testing Finley's out when we got it, and I was in like the dark my dark corridor because I just brought it upstairs from the post box. And I turned it on, and no, it looked like the police had come round. It was so bright and flashing blue. <laughs> I always thought about like flashing lights. Yeah, you can see them. They catch your eye, but you can't see where they are and where they're moving if they flash. No. Which kind of is destroys just put the point. A, just put a single light on, you know, just put the steady light on. Don't worry about flashing. It, just, as long as we can see you and everyone can see you, you can see where you're going. That's fine. 
Same as running in general, life in general, don't flash no. people. <laughs> it doesn't help things. It only makes things worse. <laughs> At Gazitude said, Amy, I think you might have been thinking of Badwater Ultramarathon and yes, Hard Rock 100. I was, I was. That's what, you know, after the episode, I was thinking, because you said Badwater, Stuart, so I was like, yeah, that's the one I meant. Bad rock. <laughs> so I knew the bad water bit, and I was thinking, but there is a, a rock one, and there's like, yeah, hard rock. Thank you. Yeah, just, but there could be a cool event where we combine the two, like hard water, bad rock. I don't know. Don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> On the subject of starting races, Ben Timpson says A few years ago, I ran a race, and the starter used the following procedure five, four, three, go, prompting much confusion as we tried to work out if he was joking or not. He wasn't. Well, to be fair, if he said after three, then that is after three. He just never explained how he was going to get there. <laughs> after three, yeah, like going one, two, three. But who goes one, two, three either? Like, it should be three, two, one, surely. But that happened yesterday at Park Run to me. One, two, three, go. I don't like that. You can count down. I mean, it, is, it does make sense. It, after three, okay, that it does make sense if you say that. But one, two, three, go is, is wrong and shouldn't no, happen. It's three, two, one, always. Absolutely. And I went to a junior park run last week and they did a 3-2-1. As soon as she said, the kids had gone. It's like, it's, it's like, 3-2-1, go! Okay, yeah, they've gone anyway. Don't worry about it. Uh, Amanda Jean said, laughed so much listening to Stu talking about picking scabs. I want to know if William jumped all over you when you hit the deck or just gave you a look of, what the fuck, move your ass. Um, yeah, he pretty much just kind of, well, he jumped at first because I kind of landed really hard like a sack of shit and swore a lot so we kind of looked concerned and then he's like right what are we doing what are we doing are we, are we going can we go now i was like look at my knee look at the blood he's like yeah fine whatever didn't care just wanted to carry on Bless yeah, both times i've fallen over with pippin she's just not cared like that time at the park when the dog mm. ran into me she was off in her own world running around the time i think i spoke mm. about this on the podcast when it happened but it was like last year or the year before i think it was during the first lockdown um I had a really bad fall because Pipping was pulling me. It was downhill and I fell on like a load of gravel and I really badly cut up my knee and I had like a golf ball sized lump. It was horrendous. And Freya's mum had to come pick me up and I was like crying in the car. <laughs> I was crying. I've never cried from pain as an adult. Um, but I cried that day. It was so painful. Aww. Yeah, it was, like, it was unbelievably painful. Um, but yeah, when that happened, I had to sort of get myself off the path and Pipping was just pulling. And I was going, please, Pippin, stop pulling me. Stop pulling me. Let me sit down, please. <laughs> she was. She didn't care. She was not bothered. She was like, yeah, okay, let's go then. They don't care, do they, dogs? No, they just wanted... It was right at the beginning of the run. He just wanted to go on with it. Well, before we get into our recent bullshit, here's a little something I did last year, and I sort of forgot about it until now. This is the one. Uh, you can hear it coming on the background now. This is the one that's going to pop all those BBC Radio 4 Extra listeners. This, 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 heel it hits me so hard. Try to run, I bet say, oh my lord, fuck you. For giving me this route uphill and two shit feet. It feels good when you're running down a super dope homeboy from the end town. And I'm known by some, but this is a hill. I can't run. Mate, I told you. I can't run this. Yeah, that's how I'm walking. And you know, I can't run this. Look in my eyes, dude. I can't run this. Yeah, let me bust the bullshit lyrics. Can't run this. Fresh new daps and headband. You're starting in a race and you know it's bad. So move at the starting gun and get a move on. Get this shit done. Now you're running. Hold on. Run a little bit, then stop for a stroll. Like that. Like that. I'm not running this and that's a fact. Let me know if this is fun, that this is a hill. I can't run. I told you. I can't run this. 
me? Why did you think I would? I can't run this. You know what? Fuck this. I'm out. I can't run this. Give me a snack or sandwich. This race goes on. I'm losing patience now. I know. You talk about races where you shouldn't go. They're shit and long. Runners are sweating now. They know they're wrong to go. Don't know what's it going to take for me to learn racing. Bullshit. Don't want to work hard, so I might as well quit. That's word, because you know, I can't run this. I can't run this. Break it down! Stop. Butcher time. And that is a song I will not be doing a music video to because that will not go well for anyone. And I'm trying to encourage Amy to do a couple of songs I've got for her as well, but she'll probably get around to them soon or I never. I can barely do the song I'm supposed to do for this. I haven't done the song for this yeah, episode no. yet. I'm going to have to do it straight after. I hardly have, ever have it ready in time. Cool. Amy, what's your bullshit been this week? Well, not much. I've left this section blank in the show notes because I've not really been yep, cool. doing much. It's been just been... I have been running, but it's been pretty normal. Um, I managed to do a long run last Sunday um, of 12 miles, which was really good. I took Pippin with me. Um, and I will say a non-bullshitty thing is Pippin was really well behaved. So I've talked about on the show before, like she can be a bit reactive and just random things will set her off. Like um, when I go running with, shout out to Jen Harding, who's getting a, a mention every podcast at the moment, but we've been running together a lot. Um, but when I've been running with Jen, she's, she, we get to Jen's house because she lives around the corner. We get to Jen's and Pippin's really excited to see Jen. And then that's it for the rest of the run. She's like really reactive to everything because she's so excited. So she'll be like, she'll see another dog and she'll be barking and trying to chase it. And it's just, but she was really good on, um, on Sunday. And what I didn't expect, because Pippin can be a little shit when she's left off the lead. Um, we were at a, we were out yesterday just going for a walk and um, I accidentally let go of the lead and she just went completely mental running around in circles. I'm trying to get back on. But um, yeah, when we were doing this run, there was a couple of styles we had to get round and one's where you have to climb over and there's like a little hole at the bottom where the dog can go through. So I had to unclip her from my um, belt. But she was good as gold. She went through the style and she waited for me on the other side. She just stood there like looking at me like, okay then, I just clipped her back on. So that's like not a bullshitty thing. That's an absolute win. I will say one thing that is bullshitty though is I noticed this. So my run on um, Sunday was along a river. I was I was staying in Leicester um, with some family, so I ran along the river uh, saw, and the amount of rubbish, just the amount of rubbish that you see, and I'm sure yeah. a lot of people get this unless you live in some really beautiful part of the world where people are just either there aren't many people or people are just considerate. You know, you live in Austria or Germany or something. But like here, I just find so many places. It's just rubbish. Just rubbish everywhere. I'm just sick of seeing it. I worry that uh, Nicola Ford has rubbed off on me recently. Not literally. Um, I did pick up a couple of bits of rubbish on my long run the other day. Because I know it's the thing a lot of runners do. They'll pick up like three bits of rubbish per run or per long run. Just to do even just a little tiny bit. So I think I'm going to try and do that a little bit more. I think I need to do that. Like I have my backpack on. like my, my Not my backpack. My hydration vest. But I always feel like... I don't want the rubbish to go directly into my bag. So maybe if I take a little carrier bag and put it in there because mm. I don't like the dirt. I read the other day, there's a dude in Vancouver who's been going for runs and he's now picked up 25,000 face masks off oh the floor. Oh my God. On his runs in the last couple yeah. of years. And, and the after I find with like the Jesus. face mask thing, it's probably not intentional a lot of the time because the amount of times I've gone into my pocket to get something else out and a face mask has fallen out. Mm. So, 
But yeah, just the amount of rubbish. And then one final thing is um, I ran through Watermead Park when I was in Leicester. Um, and I just so happened to run at the same time as Park Run, uh, which I didn't mean to do. I just so happened I got there when the start of Park Run was starting. And then I had like two separate messages from listeners being like, did I see you at Park Run? And I was like, yeah, but it was just, just a flying visit. I wasn't, I wasn't running it. So you actually went to a Park Run Park yeah. at nine on a Saturday morning. But you intentionally avoided the park I didn't mean to get to the start line at nine o'clock. It was a an unhappy coincidence because then the route I was going was also the route of the park run. So I had to run really fast. So I could hear them like doing like a You didn't think, run. oh, you know what? While I'm here, I might as well just do no, the park run. No, because it it's a lap. They had to, I could see a sign saying like second lap. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Especially not if it's lapped. But yeah, shout out to people <laughs> You messaged me like, oh, was that you I saw at Parkrun? No, no, it wasn't me. Somebody else. So petty. (laughs) So petty. Anyway, how's your week been? Um, Well, on Parkruns, last two weeks, William has finished third at Parkrun. Once with me, once with Holly. Third is my new best uh, position I've had at uh, Parkrun. And at a really hard Parkrun as well, so I was happy with that. But you know what? Again, like I said before, running with a dog is not easier it's just faster yeah. and it's fucking hard yeah. work. I ran really fast on a hard course and I was absolutely battered. And I forgot how hard running fast is. Uh, um, I've also started doing proper long runs again and I immediately regretted that. Um, it's just been it's just been awful. I cut down a couple of uh, long runs, like 12 and 14 miles or something. Uh, I, I did one the other day. Um, oh, shout out again to Michael Dark, the guy who ran the FKT with us. Um, I was kind of moaning on Twitter as I do about I didn't know where to do my long runs I did a long run on a Thursday afternoon which I don't think is even allowed really that's I I feel kind of a bit a bit dirty talking about it the Friday long runs becoming more popular but Thursday that's just weird Thursday afternoon half past three no 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 yeah um and well, yes, yeah, so I shouted Michael Dark because he saw that came and picked me up took me somewhere for a long run came out at the end picked me up at the end as well. I think it's because he's on paternity leave and he's desperate for adult company to talk about kind of nerdy running stuff with. I, th- I can only assume that's the reason. Perhaps he's just nice. I don't know. Um, but I went out and also the thing of doing a long run on a Thursday afternoon in February means it gets dark early. Mm. Um, so well, uh, before that, there was a lovely bit because a lot of the run I did was kind of I started up the uh, kind of halfway up the Welsh Valleys and kind of ran kind of towards Cardiff. So it was downhill. And you know what? Running downhill on a very slight downhill you don't really notice but it makes you feel like the best runner ever because mm. i was like nine miles in i'm like this is a fucking good pace i am running really well today this is amazing for me and i remembered oh yeah I'm, i've dropped about 200 meters in the last uh, you know nine miles so that that was why um and it started to get a little bit dark and i kind of knew it was going to get dark by the end but unfortunately the end of my route was up and over a mountain i mean not I mean, probably not technically a mountain. It's Mackin, which is about three or four hundred meters, um, and I ended up at the top of that as it was basically pitch dark. Um, so yeah, that wasn't that wasn't ideal, um, but you know, I did because I am sensible. I do my long runs, no matter when or where I do them. I had my waterproof jacket, my waterproof trousers, my first aid kit, my compass and whistle. And a fully charged phone with me. So I was prepared. I knew where I was and where I was going. You know, getting to the top and finding the right route down is tricky. But I had my, I didn't have a head torch on me and I didn't have a chest torch, but I had my phone torch, which is probably better than my head torch anyway. So I had to kind of really take my time down the hill. At least, again, at least I knew the way and I knew the weather would be good as well. Otherwise, I think I would have, I hope, I like to think I would have turned back earlier and gone somewhere else. 
But yeah, ended up top of the mountain in the dark when you're not planning to is not you ideal. You could have just blown your whistle and Michael Dark would have magically appeared with his buggy and put you in the buggy and ran down and saved you. Yeah, I think if you blow your whistle seven times, he yeah. will appear. <laughs> that's very handy. So, you know, that's my little tip there. Always be prepared. Always have your, your fell running t- full kit with you. Definitely. Let's move on now. It's time for our guest. And let's see if I can remember where I put the guest link music. Our guest this week has run the Marathon Disciple and is one of the founders of Black Trail Runners, Sabrina Pace Humphreys. Welcome to Running is Bullshit. Thank you. I love the name. It's just such a cool running folk name. <laughs> it would be that on the main title, but uh, iTunes don't let us have the word bullshit in the title, so we had to compromise slightly. Yeah, it took us a long oh, time to find something that they actually liked and that they found acceptable, but here we are. <laughs> Anyway, that aside, um, smash the patriarchy, I say, smash the patriarchy. <laughs> Always. Um, so, first of all, uh, could you tell us a little bit about how you got started running? Yeah, so I started running in uh, 2009, and I I hated running, and I hated runners. Like, I do not come from a background of runners. I was very much a gym bunny growing like teenage years and I would see people running along the road and I would be like, I would laugh at them in their short shirt, short shorts and vests. And I have four children. So after I had the birth of my fourth child, I experienced quite severe postnatal depression and went to some really, really dark places. And I started running on the ice of my GP who, when I went to see her, when I was particularly, particularly dark uh she had said to me alongside the medication i think it's really important for you to do something that gets you out of the house um for yourself for your mental health uh why don't you try jogging and i ignored it for a couple of weeks and then depression got even worse Uh, and then i took myself on my very first walk run and that was where the I wouldn't say the love affair started, but it was where I realized of running to help me cope with my depression and anxiety. And I've been, I've been running ever since. And so with that, your kind of standard progression, then you started doing like maybe 5Ks and then a 10K, then half marathon. Was it that kind of normal progression that got you kind of it was. into the absurd ultras then eventually? Yeah, so it was basically, you know, these were the days, like 2009, like there wasn't a couch to 5k app, you Mm. know, and and I wasn't a qualified run coach then. And I wasn't, I didn't know anything about running. All I knew was that there was no way that I could run out for 10 minutes and back for 10 minutes. I was about five stone overweight. You know, I was really, really, really depressed. And so I did the like one minute on one minute off. And the sense, I talk about it in the book, which we'll talk about later, but the sense of of heads I got from that 20 minutes where all I was concentrating on was not dying, trying to control my breathing, trying to not, my wobbly legs not get me to fall in the canal that I was running alongside. It absolutely gave me, um, it it blanked my mind of those dark thoughts and that that sense of achievement when I crawled over my, my, um, doorstep into the arms of my husband that small sense of self-worth that I had that I I hadn't I did not possess because that's where my depression took me caused me to yeah it caused me to continue to go out and run and 
within within six months i had like done a 10k race found out about races i was not I was subscribing to runner's world i kind of found out about races on the grapevine and it led to me doing my first half marathon which was bath half marathon which i still do every year and yeah and ultimately my first marathon so it was it was it was always about my mental health. It always been about managing my mental health and running has been a tool that is absolutely key for me to use because of that. And, and yeah, then that led me to what shall I do for my 40th birthday? Oh, maybe this thing I've seen on the telly on this documentary called the toughest foot race on earth. <sighs> like maybe that's what I should do. So it led me there. Like, yeah, it, it's quite mental when I think about it, but it started with that first one minute on, one minute off run. Mm-hmm. Did you do any ultras before the marathon, Desabla, or did you just literally do that for your 40th? <laughs> Were you even on the trails at that point? No. So I, um, <laughs> I, I, I got sober. So I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I got sober in uh, 20 early 2016 and I was kind of early days of recovery and I was at home, you know, trying to be sober. And I was like watching everything I could on the tap, doing anything I could to take my mind off the fact that I wasn't kind of drinking anymore. And I came across this documentary, this James Cracknell, toughest foot race on earth narrated by James Nesbitt. And I was sitting watching it with fear and horror like why would anyone do that to themselves why would you run more than what i'd run at that point a marathon distance on the road why would you do it in the sahara desert why would you do it carrying everything on your back when all that i'd been taught runners do is keep it as light as possible when you're going out why would you do that consecutively over six days and seeing like the sights that you see on that documentary of people hallucinating and being sick and 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 i was just like finished it i was like what but then there was this thing in me that was like hmm i wonder if i wonder if i wonder if i could do that like and it just it gave me i'd never trail run before i'd never run on sand before i was a road runner but i knew i was going to be on my path of I wasn't going to be having some big ass rave, you know, getting drunk for the week. I knew I needed something to do when I was 40 that kind of celebrated how, where I, where I was celebrated that why I was here and, and it was that. And I found myself three months later hovering over the enter key to register online for the 2018 marathon day Saab and and yeah the that's where the trail running started because I was like right I've got to get off the roads now I've got to get off the roads because there ain't no roads in the Sahara Desert um and there aren't there really aren't any roads on the Sahara Desert but that's what got me to the trails and the passion for trail running started then so the race itself is it as bad as we think it is because it looks bad you know it it if you you know i'm i'm very i'm a run coach now and um it the marathon day saab 
strips you of everything so you have such a variety of people doing it you know you have your rich corporate like bankers who don't train for it but got all the wrong kit and they go out there and they don't complete it you've you've got to respect the race like you are in a, a terrain that no matter how, where you go you can't replicate the nearest place that you can run that replicates the terrain of the sahara is lanzarote um you're in heat that you're just we're we're in the uk we're just not used to running in 40 degree heat um so yeah it absolutely is it can be as bad as those those videos that you've seen and those films you've seen but for me whenever i train for something i always go to like worst case scenario mode so i did everything i could to to train to train on terrain that was as similar as possible so i went to lanzarote i trained in wales like the the best sand dunes that you near that you can get in the uk i did the heat chamber training i i I, ra- I ate for a whole week rehydrated food. Like if you are the right kind of personality that would that wants to put yourself in situations that are as closest to that race situation as possible, you can have an experience like me. Whereas absolutely like running marathon after marathon after double marathon and a bit after marathon, it is mentally and physically draining peeing in a, a open-sided tent into a bucket is draining you know eating rehydrated food is dra- it's, it's for me mds is much more of a mental battle than it is physical because you can pre- you can prepare yourself really really well physically but it's really difficult to prepare yourself mentally for that kind of that kind of race but saying that it was like it still is one of the best experiences of my life and there is nothing like running and seeing that finish line gantry when you know you're going to get your medal and knowing that the two years of training that i put into it was like i'm gonna finish the marathon day sub for this woman like i don't come from that background i come from a a poor non-sporty background of my you know being a a a black woman living in a a white town where no one looked like her experience in rural races people telling you you're not good enough you're not you're not white enough all of that stuff like is in your head so when the demons come when you do stuff like mds and other ultra races i've done it's that stuff that gets replayed i'm not good enough for this i shouldn't be here doing this i don't belong here but when I crossed that finish line as 10th British woman, I was just like, oh my God, I this is exactly what I needed for my 40th birthday. So I, yeah, I'm a real MDS advocate. I loved, I loved it. I loved it. I'd go out again tomorrow if you told me that you'd give me a place. Oh, really? So is that on the cards? Do you reckon you will do it again at some point? I think I'd probably like to go back and do it for my 50th. So I think mm. I'd like to try and do it like every 10 years. <laughs> You know, so six years, I'm 44 at the end of this month. So six years time, I'll do it for my 50th, then I'll do it for my 60th. Then I just, yeah, it's, it's an iconic race and it's, it's, it's special to me. I'll go for those age category wins. Mm, There you go. There you go. (laughs) And so that's led us on nicely, I think, because you said about how where you've grown up is kind of not, well, people told you, you know, you're not able to do this kind of thing. It's not in your background, but as it turns out, you have now, 
you and six other people, I believe, uh, set up Black Trail Runners. And that was a few years ago. What was the yeah, catalyst for starting that? I think the catalyst for Black Trail Runners launching was um, the the rise in the BLM movement. It was the it was the murder of a black runner in the US called Amud Arbery, who was out in and was uh, cornered, was ring fenced, and was shot dead because of the color of his skin. Now, any runner that goes out deserves to feel safe. I mean, we we we're not safe. We're not safe as people of color, we're not safe as white people, we're not safe as females when we're, you know, so when Amud was murdered, uh, that was, that was February 2020. And then we had the murder of George Floyd. And we had the rise in BLM here in the UK. And it really caused me to, to think about my life and about what running meant to me. And I'm in a privileged position in the sense that I live in um, I live in the countryside. I live in a rural town, whereas in, within five minutes I can be lost in the woods. But even though I live here in the UK, I have still been out running, and I have felt uh, I haven't felt safe. I um, have been judged because of the color of my skin. I've been treated differently because of the color of my skin, and and this isn't a thing that I feel in isolation what I found is during that time um it it caused me just to kind of look around me and look at the environment look at the running environment around me and I'm like in trail running like where are where are the where are the people that look like me like trail running is very middle class white male it's a very class white male environment and I always would think at trail races, well, maybe they're ahead of me. Maybe the black people and brown people are ahead of me. Or maybe I would never think they're behind me because I, you know, I thought I can go for long distances, but I'm not fast. But actually they weren't. And they weren't, not they want to be, they weren't because there are barriers that exist for people of color in terms of entering the world of trail running and within the outdoors. So I reached out to a couple of people that around about the time of the rise in BLM, I had heard on various podcasts talking about these barriers that exist. And one of them being, for example, representation. So if you go back to 2020, I see it more now, but maybe it's because I'm part of it and I'm looking for it. You look in magazines, you look on brand websites, you look on sports clothes uh, marketing. There ain't no black people. It was like almost we didn't exist. And the thing is, you uh, representation, we call it, it really matters. Because when I grew up, I didn't see people that looked like me in my town. I didn't see people that looked like me in the magazines that I read as a young girl and teenagers. So therefore, when you don't see people that look like you in the things that you do that you love, you think, well, maybe this isn't a place for me then. Maybe I kind of don't belong East. So I started talking to my co-founders and we decided that we would we would try and do something about that. So we launched Black Trail Runners in July 2020 and we were like, you know what, if it's only the six of us that we find that love trail running and are people of colour, this is just, this is great. But it blew up, you know, the first, we're a campaigning and community charity. 
So the first thing we did was we put an open letter out to trail running event organizers. And we said, look, we know that there's a problem, but what we need is we need to start collecting ethnicity data. And so many trail races do not collect ethnicity data. They, they don't ask the question, what is your ethnicity? And these are, these, are, these are questions that are really, really easy to ask. Without the data, it stops organizations like us speaking at top level, you know, government, NGO organization, getting funding, et cetera, et cetera. So we now, after two years, we are the go-to for ethnicity data in trail running because we work with events to collect it. Um, so, it started with the six of us and now our membership is just it just it's growing and our charity is uk based so we're about getting black uk um people out onto the trails but actually we've got a really big following in america and brazil as well because this is a global issue that lack of representation in outdoor spaces and in running it's not just the uk um and it's it's to do with access skills and representation access being access to outdoor spaces feeling safe in those outdoor spaces knowing how to navigate around those outdoor spaces if you come from a culture that that very much puts um jobs <laughs> finance education above outdoor pursuits when you grow up within that environment and you haven't experienced it, it's foreign to you. You know, a lot of our members, even navigating through different parts of the countryside in terms of the different gates that there are, you know, to open dials, like th these are these are kind of new things that as privileged people who have maybe grown up in the countryside, you don't think that, well, how would I, if I didn't know how to operate this, how would I even know how to lift it, unhook it? So, so these are, all important parts of the jigsaw puzzle in order to open up the outdoors to people of color in our case as black trail runners black people um and the representation thing is is absolutely crucial like we work with brands and have uncomfortable conversation with brands and media day in day out where we don't see representation of people of color within their websites, magazines, podcasts, ambassadors, you know, massive brands, you know, who you would know, look on websites, look for people like there's one brand I will not name big in trail running, have no black people on their website, even to this day. And that to me is absolutely just despicable because it's ignoring a customer base who enjoy the outdoors, enjoy trail running, use trail running for so many reasons, mostly to feel at one with nature, at one with themselves, use it for mental health management. And you're kind of still to this day, to 2022, not acknowledging them across your marketing. It's ridiculous. What I like about your answer there is you can tell your proper professionals on this, because instead of setting up like a Facebook group and saying, hey, people of color, let's go for trail runs. You became a charity and you went for data first and you approach brands. And that's a much harder way to do this. I mean, just you know, as I said, encouraging people to go for runs on social media would have been good. But you went kind of yeah. really pro on it. You went really yeah. high level yeah. straight away. But we do that as well. So we knew that we needed to be multi multifaceted in terms of our approach so you know i come from i i, I run a 
ran a PR and marketing company for 16 years. So from a from a PR and marketing point of view, I kind of knew what we, I, I had an idea of, as to what we needed to do in order to make impact, in order to grow, start growing the community. Cause we do all that stuff. You know, we do the trail taster days. You know, we bring our community together at various venues around the UK. We spend the morning going through skills, navigation, kit, fueling. We get well-known athletes in to talk about how they got into trail running. And then in the afternoon, we hit the trails. We find community and togetherness on the trails. Um, as co-founders, we lead those. We and they they're just now we'll put them out there and they are the waiting lists kind of from day one. Um we we so we do all of that community stuff as well, but that that could never be the only part of what we do because we're we're here to make long lasting change at at, at top top level. So therefore important when you're building a community that first and foremost it is the community but then it's what do we need to do in order to make this community long lasting and to really affect change from top down and with those brands like now they're starting to listen because our community is so large and we're doing so much but Initially, they had to listen because we were asking the uncomfortable conversation to the CEO, the managing director, the marketing director, the brand director. And they had to listen then because in 2020, with the rise of BLM, they couldn't be seen to not be listening. The key thing for us as a charity now is, you know, when people's attention gets diverted, it's like, we're still here there's still an issue and we want to know what you're doing about it long-term to work with us to address that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it, it has to, I think when it's your soul's purpose to, to change a sport, which you found so much uh, mental health, release from it's really helped me trail running more so than road running has really helped me in order to kind of be the person that I am today and I just I want that for my community I want that for everyone whatever color you are and I feel as though these barriers to access need to continually be addressed in order to bring more people onto the trails And we'll have more from Sabrina later on. Fantastic guest. We could have talked to her for a very long time. And on to the Patreon bit of the show. At one Sam W said, episode 77 had my favourite musical bit to date. Although I can't stand Les Mis. Well, don't worry, Sam. Me either. I've done it to death. I'm bored of it. I'm glad you enjoyed it, though, even though you hated it. It was very impressive. I was really impressed. I know. Anyway, you can support this podcast by heading to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit and give us some money. Those that did this month are Gabrielle, Thomas Nyer, Angela, Foster Swales, Gordy Thelwell, Kirk Shepard, Brian Simpson, Ivor Hewitt. Jonathan Carter, Max McCarty. Karen Hamilton, Ian Thompson, Nikki Genders, Stuart Stevens, Matt Lease, Sherry Grubbs, Hellrider Matt Jones, Amanda Murray Hines, Sophie Jacks, Rachel Bentley, 
Rich Guy, Dave Sinclair, Liz Reese J, Jason Spinks, Penny Simpson, Chris Whitmore, Tim Hughes, Bernadette McCarthy, Carl Fleming, Neil Denton, Victoria, Clark Gilmore, Victoria Dick, Martin Kaplan, Claire Dina, Paul Hibbert, Elizabeth Shaban, Matt Caffin, Ruth KP, Amanda Z. Hernandez. Hugh Phillips, Debbie Hurley, Matthew Ward, Colin Hill, Victoria Magnus, Julia Page, Anthony Howe, Len Martin, Matt H, Lisa Gibbon, Sam Wheelie, Tech Everend, Charlie Neverson, Maria Wicks, Matt Garner, Stephel James Lampert, David Irwin, Ian Hales, Elliot Lyne, Run out of names. Sorry I messed one of them up earlier. I've recorded this so many times. I can't go back. Okay, that's it. We'll just end it there. Thank you. And as we record, Amy hasn't done that song yet, so hopefully that was really good. Oh, it's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna spend the rest of my evening doing it. Cool, great. I'm not, I'm not. On to your messages. Don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search Running is BS and let us know why you particularly hate running this week. We had a message from Paul Wilshire who forwarded a post from the Pool Festival of Running who have cancelled their event because of a lack of experienced volunteers to run it. And he asked if this is the worst reason for cancelling a half marathon. You know, I thought that's actually surprisingly responsible. Yeah, I... It's a strange reason. I don't I've never understand. Heard it before. Like, surely you have experienced people sort of leading volunteers. But well, I then think the it's volunteers... because, they've had, because they've had a few years off and people, I guess, have moved away or moved on and doing other things. They don't have anyone that, have, that has that recent kind of race-putting-on experience. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's better than having a really terrible event that, you know, then no one will come to. At least yeah. with this, they can come back to it next year. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, it's a very strange reason, but I guess it's probably better than them half-arsing it and getting it wrong and being yeah. dangerous. Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing, isn't it? Like the, mm. the dan- danger aspect, yeah. Victoria Dick got in touch about a weird race name and distance, which for some reason we're really into at the moment. The Elstead Village Marathon has a record time of 27 minutes, 32 seconds, and that's because it's actually only 5.5 miles. And it also runs through a river, which is always a massive plus for a race. Oh, yeah. Do you think they've done that thing where they think marathon means race? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, how's your 5K marathon training going? Yeah, is it like the you know, the local parish have decided to put on a race? And, oh, we'll put on one of those marathons, but we'll only have it just around the village a few times. Totally, yeah. Because a marathon is a marathon is a marathon. Like, it's a very specific yeah. distance. I do love the idea of just, like, having a marathon that's five and a half miles. That is, that is yeah. amazing. <laughs> and, yeah, anything through a river is brilliant. Uh, at Ben Skulls on Twitter asked, is a buff just a snot rag? Starts in your head, then ends up on your wrist, wiping your nose. Uh, um, Holly Caller, uh, she replied, said 100%, I just keep it around my neck to wipe and rotate. I'm sure we've talked about buff snot rags before, and I'm still not up for it. Anything is a snot rag if you yeah, uh, no, try hard enough. Yeah. With the right attitude, anything can be a snot rag. I Even if I'm wearing a buff, so I go out wearing a buff a lot at the moment because... Um, 
where I live, like the communal areas, we have to wear face masks still indoors. So I usually go out wearing a buff because I can pull it up over my face and it goes shops or whatever. Um, but I don't use it as a snot rag. I use my sleeves as a snot rag and then I roll them up. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even do that. Like I, when I'm in a secluded area, and my nose runs a lot in the summer as well, even more so, I think, the heat and stuff. I will pull my top up and blow my nose full on on my T-shirt. God. Oh, I know. We're going to get into this again, aren't we? Yep. Don't care. I do not care. No one's coming into... This is when I'm on my own. I won't do it in a race. No one's coming into contact with me. No one's around me. Like, I do not give a shit. I will blow my nose on my top, my what, my sleeve, whatever. I don't care. I think, it's just cause I, I think it's just because I knew someone years ago who had a specific snot buff and she'd wear it on her wrist. And I just remember it was grey. And I don't know if it started out grey or just became grey because she, perhaps she just never washed it. And that's just always put me off. Mm. I respect my buffs too much. I think if my buff was around my neck like it is, like I, I don't blow my nose on it because it's too close to my face and I find that a bit gross. Well, that's but, what it says, just, just uh, wipe and rotate. Oh, it's still, still close to the face. Like The oh. the T-shirt, that's way. And best in the winter when you've got a long sleeve one, just keep blowing it on your sleeve and just rolling it up or letting it dry. Let the snot dry out and then blow it again. God. Okay, fine. <laughs> we had an email from Hugh Bellamy. He says, greetings from Swansea. Love the podcast. I completed Runner's World podcast a month ago and need a new running podcast binge. The Spotify search function led me to you. I think I'm on early 2019 at the moment, so looking forward to finding out if Stuart's arse gets better and if Amy builds her mileage. Uh, yes to both of those, yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. It's a nice surprise for him in two years when he listens to this. He said, just tested positive for COVID again this morning. That's bullshit. Bellend. Supposed to be run walking 22 miles tomorrow as my last long run before the Brecon to Cardiff 70k on the 20th of February. And that'll be his first race longer than last year's Swansea Half Marathon. So my taper starts today and more time to binge BS lush he says p.s regrettably i once shat myself during a run at the furthest point from home so probably on the wanker spectrum somewhere nothing like the realization you're going to shit yourself and just letting it happen quite mindful <laughs> i didn't write about it in that day's strava description but i do now recce toilet availability a bit like my dad does think i'll do a packet of emodium before brecon to cardiff keep up the good work I've got to know. Like, just letting it happen. Well, did you mean like just let it happen? If you were just on a training run, like, did you just let it happen in your pants? You, you must have gone to off to the side somewhere and squatted. Or even if it was in like a busy street, like you'd rather squat than do it in your pants, surely. I just, uh, the idea you're running along, hmm, I think I need a poo. Yep, need a poo. Oh, I think I'm going to poo. Yep, I'm going to poo. Now I'm pooing. And just, just like I'm just like running along. Well, I can't let this disrupt my splits. I'm just gonna poo where, while I'm running. What? That's what that suggests. The the phrase just letting it happen suggests you did just yeah. poo your pants. And quite when mindful, you... as if you're yeah. like, Yeah, I'm aware of the process. I, I know it's happening and I'm okay with it. You shouldn't be. Letting go, like just go off to the side, pull your pants down and have a little squat and then let go. Then let it just happen. You'd think so. Oh, well, he's well. This is exactly right on point for us for the last couple of episodes. So he's gonna he's gonna find that when he gets there eventually. Um, I do have a thing to say about the Brecon to Cardiff run because I know someone else that's doing that as well. Because I'm such a dick about this. People say I've done Brecon to Cardiff. I'm like, well, you haven't, have you? Because it doesn't actually finish in Cardiff. It finishes just north of Cardiff, not actually in Cardiff, in Nangaro, in Rotherham and Taff, not Cardiff. It's still like 50 miles, isn't it? it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's still, I still respect the distance. It's a tough race. It's a long way to go, but it's misnamed. It's not I, Brecon to Cardiff because you don't get to Cardiff. Do you reckon like that's because they, because if you're doing the whole Taft Trail, which goes from Brecon to Cardiff Bay, 
you'd have the race so it went from Brecon to Cardiff Bay but I wonder whether that's to do with like I don't know what that'd be to do with why they haven't done that maybe they just want the 50 presumably just logistics because yeah. it's easier to set up where they finish and they probably have to ask permission to set up in Cardiff Bay and stuff but yeah which would be really tricky yeah yeah still I've always uh, thought that I've always thought like oh if you're going to do I know it's not set up as a Taft Trail but that's where the Taft Trail runs it would be great yeah. to do like that extra bit but, but yeah. I, j- I cannot help myself I know I'm a bad person they say I've done Brecon to Cardiff I'm like mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I don't know if you... I just... Stop it, you're a dickhead. Um, he also replied in his email, I came back to him and said, While I remember, my tip for nipples is to make a plaster out of a two-inch square of KT tape with a small square of the shiny tape backing in the middle to cover the nip. I tried Gorilla Tape, but that comes off. Plasters don't work. KT tape has never failed me, yet it sticks like glue to skin and hair, so taking it off is a bit like waxing. That is a good tip for your nips. It is. It sounds a bit complicated, though. Does it involve a lot of, like, scissors and cutting things? And I think it would do, like, yeah. a little square, and I can't, I can't... Not that I need it for my nips, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, that sounds a bit tricky. Uh, it's totally worth the trouble, though. Mm. Tessa Harbley sent us an extremely useful running accessory, a bell you can hold in your fingers to ding at people in front of you to make way. So it comes in three lovely colours, gold, rose gold, and copper. Ooh. They're all very similar. And it's £31 more expensive than just saying excuse me yeah it's amazing it's a little bell it's got like two little rings to put your fingers through and then you can ding it with your thumb as you run up behind people instead of just saying something yeah just shout excuse me that's what i do all oh, the time i just just scuff your heel that's what i do that's the classic yeah, i don't i don't actually want to say something because you know <laughs> i mean i used to cough but now i don't Oh, well, yeah, it actually makes people move out the way faster. <coughs> I just do like a little heel scuff. That generally does the trick. That's kind of a subtle way and they think they've heard. Yeah. I mean, one time I was running not far behind a lady. Not That's a coincidence. I wasn't doing it on purpose. But I tripped on like a tiny bit of curb and I landed like... Sorry, the way I landed on my feet meant I was going downhill and I started running really fast. And this look of fear in this woman's eyes as she heard me like quickly accelerate at like full speed was uh, was something, so... If only you had yeah. a little bell in rose gold. I know, I wouldn't have had to, like, do this dramatic falling and catching myself and running really fast, yeah. <laughs> uh, from Gabby Nea, she sent us uh, some more weird marketing, and it's for a shoe, I think, and it says, Conquer any terrain. The adaptable wrap-fit construction is constructed from a durable and breathable two-layer sandwich mesh upper. You've used construction twice and you've got a sandwich in your shoe. I don't understand why. Perforated to provide superior climate control. Swiss engineer to fit like your favourite socks. It dares you to go further. Why is everything Swiss engineered? I mean, and also, why is that good in a shoe? Are the Swiss, they're good at clocks. Are they good at shoes? I don't know. Are they the same guys making shoes that make clocks? Because I don't think they'd be very good at it. Uh, the shoe and clock factory in Switzerland, the famous one. I also like it dares you to go further. Like, go on, you pussy. Keep running. Keep fucking running. Come on, you're stopping there. Fuck's sake. I, I, the thing I notice as well is a lot. there's a lot of colonialist themes in these. You know, conquer any <laughs> terrain. Conquer. Pillage it. Strip it of its natural resources. Make it your own. Make it speak in English and follow Christianity. <laughs> Plant your flag. Yeah. Not a vibe, though. Not about those vibes. <laughs> Anyway, let's get back to our guest Sabrina Pace Humphreys to find a bit more about Black Trail Runners. So what can um, individuals perhaps involved in clubs and smaller races, what can they do to make their clubs and races more inclusive besides the ethnicity data side of things? 
Yeah. I think to like talk to groups like Black Trail Runners, mm-hmm. like we are open to having these conversations. You know, we've gone from from zero to creating a really engaged community of runners who want to attend our events, who want to um you know, want to work with kind of media opportunities that we have, but ultimately that want to enjoy the outdoors. Mm-hmm. So it's like reach out to those communities that you see, reach out to people of color in your locality, you know, community groups, etc., across the board to understand what that, that local community needs and how you can help to deliver that. Mm-hmm. And it's not about you delivering it in isolation. It's like, what can we do to help, whether that's resourcing of time or um, or budget, if there is budget. But ultimately, I think the biggest barrier that we see in terms of the work we do is we're, we're like six volunteers who have full-time jobs as well, but who this could be a full-time job. And, and with the best will in the world, we, we can't do it alone like we need help and the, the the best thing that anyone can do is like what can i do to help you in this mm. mission you know whether that is i've just been speaking to to a white btr member because you know although we're called black trail runners if you're white and you want to help to diversify trail running you can be a member too like that this is you know it's don't let the black in the name stop you which is what some people will do or well you're called black trail runners so i'm white and i didn't like it's it's such a short-sighted view like nowhere across our marketing do we say that you have to be black to be a member of black trail runners what we do say is that if you want to help to diversify trail running you can help us in that mission by becoming a member and helping us via even if it's just wearing a black trail runners t-shirt or best at a race and someone saying oh What's Black Trail Runners about? And you're communicating what we're about. Or if you're at a race or an event and you look around you and you don't see any or many black or brown people, you go to the race director and you say, can I just ask, what are you doing to diversify your event? Mm. And if they say, if they look at you like, um, not really sure, say, well, why don't you speak to the Black Trail Runners? That's, that's, it's, because your state, like we're all stakeholders, we spend a lot of money paying for events and kit and magazines and they what you think. And if enough of us are highlighting that we want what we do to be more inclusive, they will listen, but we need help. We need help in order to do that. And there's something I kind of quickly want to talk about here as well, because I think it's really kind of super interesting. Uh, Last year, you and some other black trail runners ran the Charlie Ramsey round in Scotland, which is uh, like the Paddy Buckley in Wales and the Bob Graham in England. It's a collection of summits that have been put together to create a classic route. But many people may not know that Charlie Ramsey, who set this route in 1978, was a black Scottish runner, which is kind of just remarkable on its own for that time. That probably a lot of trail runners and ultra runners will have heard of the Charlie Ramsey round. And they won't know he's black. In Scotland. Yeah. It's incredible. So was that kind of a bit of a pilgrimage? Yeah, like it was a mass. It was it was such a um, yeah, it was a pilgrimage. It was I heard about I was sitting in a pub in Kendall um, with a a, a member, an employee of a brand that I was talking to and 
I was talking about, you know, oh, these mountain rounds and everything, or I probably, it's really not my thing. And he said, well, you know, obviously the Charlie Ramsey round might be on your bucket list because, you know, Charlie's black. And I had no, this was like 20, yeah, this was September 20. And I was like, are you like, I had just never, I'm half Scottish, so my mum's Scottish. And I grew up, you know, I spent all my, I would always spend my summer holidays in Scotland. The only Charlie Ram, the only Ramseys I knew were white Scottish men. Like, so hearing about the Ramsey rounds, again, my ignorance, I just assumed that he was just this white Scottish guy. And when I was told that, I was like, something went off in my head and I was like, oh my God, like, I need to get out there. The fact that Charlie Ramsey is a black Scottish man. He created this iconic round deemed as one of the hardest, if not Mm. the hardest UK mountain round. And he, he did it in 1978, which was the year that I was born. He never thought he could, he did it in sub 24 hours, like 23 minutes, 58, 23 hours, 58 minutes, I think. And I was like, right, if we're going to do one thing in 2021, we are going to get a team of black trail runners to get on that Charlie Ramsey round and do as much of it as a team of black people, because we were the first team of black trail runners that did it and to stand atop Britain's highest peak, Ben Nevis, and wave the banner of like representation matters. Cause we know kids like youth, right up to kind of older women and men who see that are like, I can do that too. Like, and that's so important. And I never, I swear to God, like I'm a 44 year old mother of four, grandmother of three. I never believed that I would traverse the Ramsey round. Like even when I started trail running, because those rounds are for other people. They're for people that are, that are muscular, sinewy, you know, mountain runners that live in the Lake District. And they're, they're like, they're not 44 year old, thick thighed black women like me. And to do that, with my team of black trail runners was and to know that charlie created this round was and to meet charlie charlie's still alive like charlie is alive and kicking and to meet him and to get advice from him and and training advice all the way was like one of the most one of the most pivotal kind of moments in my life never mind my trail running life and I'm so excited because we're going to Fort William for uh, Fort William Mountain Festival in like a week's time. And we're spending the night with Charlie again and talking to other people who have done the round, like Nikki Spinks, who is a big trail running um, kind of goddess. And it truly is like, it's, it truly, it, it was a massive thing for our community. You know, we made a film about it, which you can watch on YouTube. It's called Representation yes. Matters, taking on the Charlie Ramsey round. We'll definitely do that. We've watched and, all the um, running documentaries, so yeah. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it. you can, if you really want to do these things, you can do them. You know, we, we, we didn't do the whole 58 and a half miles, but we did a bloody good portion of it. And my aim is to get back this year and, and finish off the rest of it. But it was never about getting an FKT on the round. It was about treading in the same footsteps as a black man in 1978 who created the round as black trail runners and having a piece 
of content, that piece of representation that will be around for so many years to come and will inspire others, whether you're black, brown, white, whether you've never seen yourself, whether you've never climbed a mountain before, like you can do it, you can do it. So I'm just, I'm so glad that we did. Yeah, that's a wonderful piece of black history kind of hiding in plain sight as well. Oh God, yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. It's just, it's right there. And and I was yeah. honestly, I was so embarrassed when, when I sat in that pub and, and I didn't know, but it's like, mm. again, these iconic black athletes or the, 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 the black history, there's so much of it that is hiding there in plain sight, but we, we become so, even as, even as a, you know, a black woman, we become so embroiled in our, our lives and what we're told or what we assume that sometimes it's only when it's stark there in front of you and you're like, how could I not know this? But the reason I didn't know it is that it had never been, I'd never read about it in any magazine. No one had ever written a piece saying, these are the three UK mountain rounds. And actually, you know what? Charlie Ramsey, a black man from to create, like, because it, to those people writing those things, that's not important. But that, I'm here to tell you, that stuff is really important because then that tells people like me, wow, maybe we do belong here and maybe we can try and do that too. And we all need that. We all need that. Um, so from that kind of wonderful story, I'll leave it to Amy to ask, uh-huh. to bring us right back down again, to ask the, the last final question. Yeah, bring the tone down again. So the final question is, as we ask all our guests, what is the most bullshit thing about running? The most bullshit thing about running, I think, is the um, go hard or go home. There's <laughs> like, nothing wrong with going home. Going home is where all my stuff is. Nah, you know what? You know what? But that 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 that, that phrase, that sentence, it stops so many people from enjoying their runs because they mm-hmm. believe if I haven't gone as hard as I possibly can, or if I haven't smashed out this session at the paces that it says on the running world training training program or that's some arbitrary number that I should run for someone my age my weight my height then I failed and that's bullshit it's absolute bullshit as a coach as a qualified coach from running fitness I'm telling you right now you can go out and go super easy and it will make you a better runner long term you do not need to go out and smash yourself in order to feel that you've achieved. So go hard or go home needs to actually go in the bin and go home because it's a phrase that stops people fulfilling their true potential and really enjoying their run in that moment for what it is. You know, we've all got stresses in our life. Everything affects your running, being tired, kids, being depressed, being overweight, being underweight, not being hydrated, not being fit these things contribute to how you feel out on the fact that you're out on a run you it's a fucking privilege because a lot of people can't sorry i just swore but remember the title of the podcast it's right (laughs) up there come on yeah but it's 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 that that terminology is the most bullshit thing that i just wish would just disappear because you don't always have to and if you don't go hard you don't have to go home you can just decide you know what today i'm just going to bloody look around me and take in these amazing surroundings especially if you're out on a trail and you can see the most beautiful things when you're actually mm. stopping and looking around mm. rather than going hard making yourself sick and mm. then deciding to go home so yeah go hard or go home can get in the bin it's bullshit go easy then go home and have a biscuit that's sort of my motto <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. Like, go easy, enjoy it, feel grateful the fact that your legs have taken you out to whatever point you're at. Stop and take a bloody picture if you want to have a drink, something to eat, and then go home and have a cup of tea and a biscuit or a glass, whatever you do to celebrate that win. Definitely. That's what it's about. So if people want to find out more about you and Black Trail Runners, I guess they just search Black Trail Runners wherever they want to go, social media or Google, whatever. Yeah. 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 Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, search Black Trail Runners. Um, and for me, I'm probably most active on Instagram. Um, so at Sabrun's Miles or Sabrun's Miles. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. Come and come and show the love and share the journey. That's, yeah, support. Be kind. <laughs> And really quick, you've got a book coming out soon. I have, yeah. My uh, memoir, Black Sheep, um, is coming out on the 2nd of June. So I'm super excited about that. 12 stories about my experience of growing up in a town where no one looked like me through to doing the Ramsey round. So there's something in there for everyone. It's, I hope to inspire, but ultimately I keep it real. So yeah, yeah, please read it, buy it <laughs> when it comes out. Well, Sab Pace Humphreys, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What a fabulous guest. I feel like we could have spoken to her for ages more about lots and lots of different things. If you want to find out more, just search Sabrina Pace Humphreys and there's loads of interviews and articles with her and about her. Um, one of the ones I watched was from the Wild Ginger Running Podcast. It's an hour and 20 minute video of an interview, but I watched pretty much all of that because I was really, really into it. Uh, the documentary she mentioned is called Taking on the Ramsey Round and that's by the Running Channel on YouTube. It's in two parts definitely worth watching if you're the type of person that loves a running documentary she was just incredibly inspiring as well i always find that when we talk oh, to guests no, like not they inspiring. Feel, no like it, that's the thing this is when it's the word annoying. inspiring can be used because like when i listen to guests like her and other guests we've had on in the past that are talking about equality issues in in running and inclusion and diversity and all those sorts of uh, those things we need to address like it makes me like yeah oh yeah we need to do something about this you know i just think like it is inspiring. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I am I am now the chair of our running club. And yeah, it's something I need to do more. It's something I need to get the rest of the committee and the other, our runners and leaders to actually do something more about. Because in Cardiff, you know, there is more that we can do. See, she's inspired you. That's how we Damn should it. be using that word. That's how that word's used. <laughs> right. It's the bullshit running news. As wonderful as that was, uh, there's honestly, there's basically no news this week. Oh. Yeah, I, I looked for ages and I couldn't really find anything at all. Good. So uh, here are the headlines. Uh, a few of the things that we could have talked about, what we're not going to. Uh, it's nicer to run near trees than traffic lights. Good bit of research there. Uh, you only have to run for 10 minutes to be happier. The Boston Marathon will quite specifically fuck your kidneys more than any other race, for some reason. Didn't read why. And Runner's World says running can help cancer, dementia, liver disease and menopausal changes. Oh, God. So that's good news. Well, oh. <laughs> there we go. That's God. it. That's all we need to. That's all we need to know. You don't need more than the headlines on any of those. Oh my God. Well, yeah, because it like that last one's just a non-story. Like, yeah, running any physical activity will make you healthier and reduce your chance of those type of things. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, that's all okay. there is. Sorry. Ugh. Right. What you got coming up next? Uh, well, I've just found my weird race of the year. I said I want to do something that's a bit different and a bit strange, and I've found it. Uh, it's uh, near Merthyr Tidville. 
It's a 1.3 mile lap of a lake, and that's every 20 minutes. But the running part of that, 20 minutes, drops each time. So it's in 20 minute chunks. So the first one, you have to run that lap in 20 minutes, and then 19 minutes with a minute rest, 80 minutes, two minute rest, and so on, until you get down to, you know, however, I think they said they'll adapt it slightly, depending on who's left. And so eventually, it's going to be a long day. I think it's going to be a long morning because it might be running, you know, if I do 10 laps, it's 13 miles, but that's over three hours. Mm. So, but then it just gets down to the point of who can run those miles quickest after all of those other miles. Mm. So it's going to be a tricky one. It's going to be a weird one, but it's the kind of thing I was bang up for. That sounds really good, actually. So are you thinking, what's the strategy? Are you going to walk the first lap or just do a run so you can rest longer? 1.3 miles in 20 minutes. Just about, I think just a really slow jog, really yeah. slow, easy jog. And just take everyone as easily as possible. Mm. I don't think there's any benefit in getting more rest, but that's, that's a few months off yet. It's like the bleep test, but like a... A really, really long one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really weird the ultimate bleep test. Yeah, perhaps that's what they should have called it. But I'm glad I found my weird race for the year. Mm, I need to find one still. I need to work yeah. on that. Have you got anything coming up? Any plans for you at all? Well, I've got that race, that 30k. I think I said it was 20k on one of the other podcasts. It's not 20k. Like, I don't do k, I do miles. It's 18 miles. Um, I've got that race coming up. I haven't really... I've done a lot of... Like, I've done a fair bit of training. More training than I've been doing recently. But just my long runs aren't going up to 18 miles. It's probably going to be, like, more like 14 miles. Which I guess is okay. Um, But, yeah, that's first weekend in March. So I've only got a couple more weeks and I'll be tapering. Yeah, that's it. Not much else. Like, just ticking along. Just ticking along, just ticking along your mileage. That's ticking terrific. it, building up that mileage, it's happening. Well, if you enjoyed this bullshit, you can visit runningisbs.com to see show notes and links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, our merch store and our social medias. Goodbye. Bye. Stop. Bullshit time. Bullshit time.